Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This is going to be one of our most fun of the year. I, I always like doing the first edition of the awards because you get a lot of weird small sample things. It's your first chance to really lock into on what you think is going on this season, who's really playing well among the established players, who might be ascendant, who might be on the decline. And obviously this isn't how the year is going to end, but Danny and I put a bunch of time in to try and figure out uh, who would win uh, all of these awards if we had to vote on them right now. And we also got uh, some news to get to including more out of the grizzlies the buy sell provision with steve kaplan and the minority owners has been activated we don't know how much it's for yet with pair we'll try to break that down quite a bit as well and why don't we uh get started with that danny uh john krasinski had a piece on this i actually on our dork g chat thread last night after we had, were done recording i went back and read zach lowe and brian windhorse piece explaining exactly how this worked and i was wondering hey whatever happened with that it was supposed to be october 2017 and what kind of an effect would that be having on this whole fizzdale firing etc and now credency reporting that in fact that buy sell clause has been activated that gives the minority owners led by steve kaplan who attempted to buy the wolves but was unable to extricate himself from the grizzlies at that time he basically is able to set a valuation and either robert para has to buy him out at that valuation or he gets to buy para out at that valuation so really just a great game of chicken here between these two guys now this is like economic nerd theory in to the nth degree i'm really excited about it because yeah i mean the tactics of this are incredibly complicated because you want to set i mean depending on what kaplan wants you either want to set a you uh, obviously it has to be within the fair range but where in the fair range is really complicated because of whether you want to have the team and and this would be a way theoretically for kaplan to extricate himself if he didn't want to have the grizzlies and wanted another team and something that is in depth in john's piece for the athletic is the idea of potentially moving moving the team out of there and the problem with that i think that was in his piece it might have been zach's is that the lease is strong it was in his piece that the lease is very strong and there could even be a trigger in terms of trying to move the team to try to sell to local owners and things like that so yeah their lease is ironclad through 2021 and then if they do try to move after that i think through 2017 or 2027 local owners would have some sort of an option to buy the team because some background here is important and i'm paraphrasing so apologies if i leave out exactly all this but when para tried to buy the team from michael heisley which had been on the market for several years he initially wanted to come in and buy a significant portion of it himself however in between that agreement and the time that he actually had to fund the deal his the stock price of his company which had gotten crazy ubiquity really tanked down to like nine dollars a share uh, in part due to the economy i guess and so he had to bring in all these other owners justin timberlake peyton manning tennessee people and also of course kaplan and daniel Strauss is the other minority owner uh, who is part of that buy sell provision and so that was our background here now of course it's a stream because ubiquity's stock price is 66 dollars, <laughs> so seven times more than it was uh, back when para was experiencing these issues and so does he want to just get rid of kaplan and certainly the, the team his initial investment has probably even as much as tripled as well i think they bought it for like you know 350 million or so valuation back in 2012 and you know i have to imagine that it's worth you know at least seven or eight hundred billion or 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 a million at this point if not more than that uh, given some of the recent sales so uh, all of that is our background here uh, to see you know steve kaplan would apparently like to try and buy him out kaplan and strauss uh the question is or get bought out themselves because that would 
enable Kaplan to try and go after another team, which he hasn't been able to do since he couldn't extricate himself from this Memphis situation. Uh, I mean, the issue there, by the way, why he couldn't extricate himself was I assume that when he tried to sell out, Para, knowing that he really needed to get out, wasn't willing to pay him enough to where it was he was getting his fair share. And so that's why he had felt like, all right, I'm just going to stick around and deal with the buy sell. So it does seem like there's been some antipathy between these guys to some degree. And I'm going to be fascinated, so fascinated to find out what the number is going to be here. And what I love about the prospect of, you know, you could worry about acrimony here is that the process eliminates the acrimony because you set the valuation at what you're going to set it at. And the other side makes a decision. It's not wrestling for control. It's just figuring out the value and making a business decision. So it's not that, you know, lawsuit for control or anything crazy like that. They just, you know, you figure it out, you figure it out in in another way. And so it it should be clean in that way, because one side sets the value, one side determines whether that's worth it or not. Yeah. And as Krasinski noted, and many others have as well, even Mark Gasol, their franchise center, uh, noting that they wish that Robert Perry was around a little more. He's kind of been a bit of an absentee owner. And so does that mean that he's more inclined to cash out now? Is that all a ruse to make Kaplan put a lower valuation so Para can then buy him out more easily? You know, and if you're Kaplan, obviously the higher you go, the more likely you are to get the team. But then, of course, you have to actually pay more money. Is he going to just put it so high that Para just either can't afford it or has to say no? I mean, we'll see. I don't know what Para's financial situation is. You imagine with the stock price increasing, it's all much better. So just can't wait to see how this turns out. And this all against the backdrop of a team that's not playing that well right now. And apparently, you know, I'm not sure when the deadline was to exercise this clause, but how does that fit in to what uh, is going on? I mean, Paris certainly was uh, consulted and may have even been the driving force behind the Fizdale firing is the idea that, hey, they got to start playing better. So the team looks like it's not just like completely about to tank because that's what it looks like right now, right? They're a very unprofitable team and it looks like they're going to be, you know, probably not going to make the playoffs this year. And it looks like things are going to be a lot worse for them over the next four or five years. So that can't help the, whatever the valuation ends up being. It's a challenge. And the concerns, yeah, there has been some about the financials recently with them. You know, they've been a playoff team and they didn't make money and they have a lot, even with after the revenue sharing. And they, and they still have a lot of committed money long term. And it's money that will be hard to get out of, you know, should whoever ends up being the final owner, should that entity want to shed cap? It's actually very hard for them because it's tied up in a few players. And those players are not values probably on their contract, definitely in some cases, probably in others. So they kind of are what they are to that point, unless they want to give up further assets. But remember, Memphis already owes a first round pick with protection on it. So that extends into time unless they trade into that protection. So they can't use that to get rid of those players. They probably wouldn't want to anyway. So it's a a complicated circumstance. And I highly recommend people read. I would read that piece if you are a subscriber to The Athletic, which for selfish reasons, I certainly hope that you are. And also the low wind horse piece from March of 2016, because they both give some of the mechanics of this and what's going on in place. And I don't know the timeline here either. I'm going to be very excited to find that out eventually. Well, last thing here, this will just be kind of a, a fun game here. I'm going to take a look at their valuation in theory, and, and Forbes just totally eyeballs this stuff, so I'm not putting too much stock in here. $790 million valuation for the Memphis Grizzlies, 26th in the NBA, and this is a team that just, if you look at it independent of what's already there in terms of success, this is pretty close to the number 30 market in the NBA, I would say. You know, I don't... in. Southern, they've done a great job of building up passion there, but, you know, compared to like a Utah or San Antonio, you know, I think that generally it's not as good of a market as those places are necessarily for basketball. It doesn't have the history that those places have or the history of sustained success that those places have. So I would put them maybe, I mean, is there a, just, if you're saying totally just evaluating the effect that the market has on the team's value, is there a worse market in the NBA than the Grizzlies? It's hard to say so. I mean, I know that New Orleans, from what has been reported, has worse uh, t- uh, TV ratings. New Orleans ratings. is worse. New Orleans yeah. is worse. They have worse yeah. TV ratings. And they're, I mean, they have had an inferior team over the last few years. But yeah, I would say that I would say the Grizzlies are probably 29. And and also something, because I was looking back at the Hawks price. And so the Hawks sold, Wrestler bought them in 2015 for $850 million, Though there has been, Forbes had an interesting piece about how that was overstated because it included some bond money. So it was really about... 
I think it was seven thirty, and I think that's a. I don't know. It was is the question you're going to ask to be to put a number on it? Cause yeah. It, it, let, let's say you're Steve Kaplan, and your goal is to buy the team. You you want to get the team. Uh, and but you know you're not made of money. I mean, all these guys are made of money, but you know you still want to make a good business deal. So the question is, what is how much are you bidding to try and say, all right, I'm pretty confident that Para is going to just cash out at this price that he's not going to match it, but that you're not going to just pay some astronomical number more than you have to. So that's a, it's funny because that's a different question than what I would be considering for myself because I would go, I would be thinking more in the 720 range, but I think that if you want to have the team if that's your goal then you'd be probably talking maybe more like 780 775 and one of the big problems with memphis is that there isn't much of a way to grow from here you know this isn't a circumstance where you're looking at it going oh well if we did x y and z we would be much more profitable they've been a good team they've been you know they've been selling tickets reasonably well so there isn't much to be actualized there you could see this in certain ways as being a basement deal because it's low and there isn't much upward mobility i would go more than that uh, than him i I would go like, you know, 900 million or so, assuming I had the money, um, you know, that kind of evaluation because, or, or I might even go as high as to the point where I felt like he like actually like couldn't even afford to match it anymore. Now, you know, I, I don't know how much para has. They probably have more but intel. If you were going to do that, why do. would you do that for the Grizzlies? Why not try to do an expansion team in Seattle or buy a different team? Like, I don't understand why if you, if oh, you're, because there's only 30 teams and the rest of these teams aren't for sale. And this is, you, you're not in a competitive bidding process here as much as you might be elsewhere going up against people who have way more money now you can take That's advantage true. of the fact that you just if you have more money than robert para he's the only guy that you have to outbid you know as opposed to having to outbid every other billionaire in the world who might want to buy a team and, and i think the prospect of being able to move it to a better market especially like you know seattle or anywhere else that would instantly just increase the value of your franchise now you have to pay a relocation fee as well i think it's something like you know i don't know how much it would end up being um i, I forget that from but in but in their the circumstance, you could argue that it would pay for itself just because they would be going oh. from the number 29 market to presumably something in the top 10. Yeah, if not, and there's a lot of money in Seattle, too, in terms of sponsors and that kind of stuff. So um, now, and I don't know what the story is with, like, the local owners will have the option to buy the team. I mean, is that, like, with before it gets moved, like, what is the valuation at which they would have to do that? Like, they, I don't understand that how that would work either. Um, but I think I would go pretty high if our Kaplan, assuming I could afford it and assuming I wanted to own the team because of the fact that you could probably move them away and frankly you know i mean you know the, the grizzlies market they have great fans there they've supported the team extremely well like they would don't deserve to have the team taken away now we'll see how well they support the team uh during this period of suckery that's going to come up here um you know certainly more so than new orleans though they, they deserve to have a team um so this is gonna be fascinating to see where it ends up though but i i my guess would be uh i would be extremely surprised if it's that low um because i mean and, and for kaplan i mean certainly you would bid the absolute highest price that you would be willing to pay for the team you know you would do that because worst case scenario you just get bought out for more money right so you, you're picking you're picking basically the the absolute highest that you would be willing to pay to own this team and you know there obviously there's economic aspects of it there are non-economic aspects of that as well he's clearly uh, has been wanting to be in on this it's very important to him uh for some time to actually be in control so uh, i'm gonna pay, take the over on that okay i mean i think I, the tactic that I think the tactic here is that you want to put a value that is a, a little bit over what the other person you think the maximum they would be willing to pay in case there's a big disparity, which there might actually be in this case. Yeah. Last thing on them, actually, two more things. Uh, Mike Conley, actually, three more things. Conley is expected back in two to three weeks. Supposedly, his treatment is going well we'll see i think that sort of thing can be nebulous when he starts ramping up his activity he could start to experience soreness again but good news at least that um Chris Wallace said, no, we still have Gasol. We still have Conley. Those are good. We've got some young guys who are coming up rebuilding pish posh uh, in some comments yesterday. And then Sam Amick reporting basically that Gasol and Fisdale weren't speaking for the better part of the last 10 months. There was little to no communication with them and that the, he's, he noted the Sunday night benching in Brooklyn was merely a tipping point in a situation that started to go sour quite some time ago. 
In Orlando, Terrence Ross suffering a sprained right medial collateral ligament and a non-displaced fracture of his right tibial plateau after he banged knees. Who was it with that he collided with yesterday? I forgot. I think it was Russell Westbrook. Oh, yeah. Okay, so uh, he will be out indefinitely and miss a significant amount of time per the team. So that sounds like at least a grade two uh, uh, MCL. And this will mean that John Isaac will get more time when he actually is able to return from that sprained ankle. And Ross actually was one of the few Magic men who was not shooting well from three-point range earlier he's ticked up just a little bit but he had not played up to his usual standards shooting the ball this season so that'll mean more time for Isaac maybe even Hazonia will be exhumed but probably more likely that we're just going to see some Aaron Aflalo as well rather than Hazonia who really just seems to be totally out of things here um all right let's do a read and then we'll get to what this is gonna be a long ass episode uh get to our awards after this from Stitch Fix I've actually been working with them now for the last couple of months. What they do is they send you clothes that actually work with your style with a personalized stylist. They've actually been working with women for years, but now they're starting a, a men's program as well. And you've known from some of my talk that I'm a, a tall guy. A lot of stuff doesn't fit me that well. So that's why this has actually been such great service for me because I've been able to work with them. They send me stuff. If it doesn't fit me, I send it back. We are actually able to correspond to my stylist sent me a really nice note in the last package and so we've been batting about 50 percent or so so far which is is pretty good and it's so easy just to, to send it back they give you this bag you just dump it in there pull that little sticky thing seal it and then you give it to your mailman when he comes and takes your mail it's all prepaid so here's how it works with them. You go to stitchfix.com and tell them your sizes, favorite type of clothes, and most importantly, how much you want to spend too. So if you're based on what your budget is, you can control that as well. And then your personal style gets to work handpicking new clothes for you based on your style and budget. And if it's something that you don't like, you check out every month or however often they send you stuff and you can comment on each piece of whether you liked it, you didn't like the pattern, like they sent me early on they sent me some flannel not really a big flannel guy so i sent that they stopped sending me that and they've really been doing a much better job due to our interaction and sending me some stuff that i really like i actually wore some stuff to a game recently that uh danny didn't know was from stitch fix but he thought it looked awesome and uh, you know danny is the best style in the world uh so again i keep digressing here to talk about my own personal experience how awesome it is but you get five items they deliver them right to your door you try them out at home and you only pay for what you keep you can get your fix monthly quarterly you can just go in and say hey i would like some stuff there's no subscription required the shipping is free it's just much easier than trying to go to a store and try a bunch of stuff on you can just kind of build your wardrobe without having to spend a bunch of time so the way to get started with them stitchfix.com slash capspace is the url stitchfix.com slash capspace easier remember we talk about capspace all the time in the program you'll get 25 percent off when you keep all five items in your box that's stitchfix.com slash capspace to get started today. Let them know with that slash capspace URL that you came from us. So I thought it'd be interesting before we even get started to just do our all in. Actually, no, we'll get started. Then we get to all NBA. We can talk about who our picks were from last year because that's always interesting to see how things have kind of evolved since well, then for, so uh yeah, i want to start somewhere for for clarification purposes for those people who are who are new to our award shows and welcome these are not doing two specific things and that's not per doing predictions so this is not who we think the voters would choose if the awards were decided today and is not who we think will win these awards in at the end of the regular season this is who would deserve them in our honest opinion based on what we have seen so far yeah that's a great point and, and for me if i feel there's somewhat of of a subjective tie obviously games played is going to matter minutes played is going to matter to some degree and then also just who i think is better uh and who i think has been better you know if you have a body of work you know like aaron gordon for example got some consideration for me for third team all nba but part of the reason is just you know he's shooting such a ridiculous percentage that's so far above where he's been before you say all right you know is this really that real um you know that's and that's just on the margins obviously too you know you remember last year we got a lot of shit for russ being our mvp in part due to his club performance because we were like oh that's not repeatable it doesn't mean anything going forward it's like well that's what he did you know so uh but right on the margins especially in the all nba teams as well i think that's one that really matters a lot historically and so i try to 
give a little bit less credit to aberrations than I might in some of the other categories. So uh, anything else you want to say or should we get started with uh, our MVP top three? Let's get going. Uh, so my number one, it was interesting to go through it. First of all, we haven't really talked about this at all, either, either on the show no. or offline. And you and I talk basketball a lot, but we hadn't really gone through it. And I think part of that's just because you need to look at a lot of information to make these decisions. I obviously didn't pour through it to the same degree like when we did the MVP podcast at the end of last year. But where I settled on number one was James Harden. And Harden dealt with a different set of circumstances through the first month and a half of the season than he will have hopefully for the remainder of the year because Chris Paul is now on the floor and has been very, very good when he's been on the floor. But Harden had to shoulder a lot of the playmaking burden for this Houston Rockets team. And they are phenomenal offensively when he's been on the floor. 115 offensive rating with him on, 103.4 with him off. So they've been above they've been above water without him, but they've been elite, elite, elite with him out there. And a lot of that, while defensively, of course, it doesn't rely on him, it relies on him offensively. And so to me, that was a big part of the case for him. And he's creating a ton of shots for himself. He's creating a ton of shots for his teammates, getting to the line a lot, not as much as in prior years. And so for me, I would say I felt comfortable with him at number one. Yeah, I think so too. If the Cavs were playing just a little bit better, I would be tempted to go with LeBron, who we believe is a superior player. I'm sure you still think that, Danny. I do, but I also yeah, don't I, have LeBron second in my MVP. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, that's interesting. He is he is second for me, uh, especially what he's been doing with this Cavs team that really has not had much else in the way of, of contributors uh, creating, you know, and they're also the fact that they're now have gotten to 14 and seven. They're kind of more really, I mean, that's 55 win pace. They're on pace now to be like what we thought they were going to be this season. And he's 65% true shooting is just completely insane. And they've started defending better too. Uh, so I, I think, and especially just given how good of a player he is, is you know it would be hard for me Harden is just and Houston has been so good they've been the best team in the NBA as well and you mentioned the on-off numbers with Harden so I I would make Harden number one uh as a stop to how well the team is playing when he's been out there um but LeBron is uh certainly still been outstanding uh but yeah so I, i'm fascinated to hear who your number two is now you talked about how lebron has and to his full credit has done a wonderful job with a lot of uncertainty and a lack of production around him i agree with all of that i originally intended to have lebron second that was my my interpretation of it but i ended up with Giannis, even though the bucks are barely over 500 because it's similar to russell westbrook to a point last year where that team has been an absolute tire fire with without him. And you could say, oh, well, you know, it's it's the some of it is the roster construction and they're missing guys like Jabari Parker. Yes, that's true. But they've also had a, at various moments in the year had better players in their bench than their starting lineup. So those guys are playing a lot with Giannis. So if we want to use on off, they're plus 3.3 net rating with Giannis on negative 11.4 with him off. He has been a monster statistically. He fuels their transition offense. And like Harden, I could see this case waning because there were some aberrational elements in his like that finishing at the rim early on and everything else where it's toned down a little bit but that doesn't matter to me at all at this point in the year if if we were to if the season were to end today I would say he has provided the second most value to me without him on this team the Bucks are substantially below 500. Yeah you know I think that's that's a good argument um and I just think LeBron is so clearly better than Giannis this is a new level for Giannis here now and 3.3 net rating with him out there is just not like that good you know they they're just the, the when the team itself LeBron's disappoints, is plus 2.3 for the record yeah okay that, that, that's fair um and, and both those guys are playing a ton of minutes as well um but the, and this one, I would just, I had Giannis number three. Uh, and, yeah, AD, and it's uh, brutally close between those guys. Yeah. I mean, that that's yeah. another point to make here is like I said, I felt good at number one. Giannis, LeBron, nothing there. And, and you're right. There were a couple other guys that I considered for like, if this went to five, I think those last two spots would have been really, really tough. But I, I did feel like there was a gap between LeBron and Giannis and then guys like AD, maybe even S Steph Curry and a few other guys. So I thought that there was a line of division and Kem Pelton wrote a nice piece on the MVP and just kind of the different types of players who win but for me that's that in terms of impact on success that's where the lines are right now well, and also just, I, I think Giannis, to me, like he can be stopped still. There are ways, like he has, still has too many weaknesses in his game. LeBron, with the way he's shooting the jump shot this year, uh, really does not have like any weaknesses. I mean, you, you're just, he, he's unstoppable for just about anybody and any team. Um, and, and obviously they have a lot more shooting around him even still in this 
this pretty stunted version of the Cavs that's around him. But yeah, uh, so my number three was Giannis. You went with LeBron at number three then? Oh, yeah. And here, I actually oh, here, had I a, AD up there too as a, a strong fourth, although we were only going three deep on this one. But he, he was my biggest competition to get into that fourth slot, potentially. Yeah, he, he would be there for me as well. He's done a nice job on both ends of the four this year. And something else, as we've been tracking this with the 15 and 60, early on, there were a couple of a couple of games that influenced the sample, but they weren't doing as great with him out there and not Cousins. That has completely switched. They've been fabulous when he's been the only traditional big on, the, even if you're counting him as a traditional big on the floor. So yeah, I mean, Davis, Davis has had a wonderful season and that leads pretty well into all NBA because one of the big definitional problems for this year is that, wait, wait, can can we do, can we do defensive player of the year first? If you want to. For some reason I had, I had that higher in my sheet and there's no, I have no flexibility to change obviously now. Oh, you're ruining my beautiful transition. No, 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 you're, you're better. Let's, you have a a better way of doing it. I'm going to move that down on the sheet right now. All will be right. And then uh, we can do, we can do a first team uh, all NBA. So the problem here is that anthony davis to me deserves to be a first team all nba player basically he has been one of the five best guys but he hasn't played center that much he's played center is it like 26 percent of the time it's something like that yeah according to cleaning the glass which i i believe in ben falk's rankings of where guys are playing more so because the way that you do this seth did this a while ago when he was back in the public domain seth partno now the milwaukee bucks if you guys don't know our new listener uh don't listen to dunked on classic we, we should start that uh that channel soon uh but anyway the way you figure out what position someone is playing just based on the play-by-play data is you kind of force rank every player on the team and say okay if these two guys are on the floor together who's playing a bigger position um and so i think i assume that's how basketball reference does it too but i really find myself disagreeing with their categorizations a lot and so ben i, I trust seth i trust so uh, that's where we're going forward with these numbers but ad has played center only about 26 percent I really wanted to shoehorn him in as a center, as we've done before in past years. I mean, even if you were playing like 45%, but it's pretty clear. I mean, they have a real center now. They're not just like nominally starting Omer Ashik or something like it's, it's Cousins and... AD is playing more like a four than, than in past years, especially defensively. So I had to put him as a four and I had to put him on, on second team. Um, so Harden, LeBron, and Giannis very clearly to me, I shouldn't say very clearly because AD was close to Giannis for me, but uh, Harden, LeBron, and Giannis are the obvious ones there based on our MVP. So who are your last two slots? The second guard, this has been a very rough year for guards. We're going to get into this in the second and third teams. And a lot of those guys I expect to be healthier moving forward. You know, if Chris Paul plays anything like what he's done so far he can still move into an all-nba category but to me the second best guard in the nba this year so far has been stephen curry he has been important for the warriors offensively defensively he's been fine but but really point guard you know primary ball handle whatever you want to say that's linchpin is an offensive system and even though he's not hitting shots at the ridiculous degree that he was all he has to do is be better than the guys in front of him and i think that he's done that so far yeah and boston fans are are going to be shitting themselves again over this because of course we, we always get the uh well Kyrie is he's a better shooter than Steph he's got better moves he's uh, you know he doesn't have the stupid turnovers which actually and Steph turns it over but he actually has a low turnover rate Kyrie's turnover rate is just incredibly small by the way it's like eight percent so that's impressive but you know there's just number one Steph Curry's been way better than Kyrie Irving for a long time number two the fear that Steph Curry puts into defenses as a shooter is still incredible and he still is the second best offensive rpm in the league and then curry is just way better defensively than irving is and irving has gotten better this year but still you know he is a a massive defensive liability where curry you know if you really go at him every time yeah you know he's not going to be able to hold up just one-on-one against some of the best guys but he's an excellent team defender he executes the system and he's much he doesn't die on every single screen which uh yes it does matter Matter, even though that's a, a meme in Boston now so yeah Steph Curry is still better than Kyrie uh, I mean and also just you know look at the quality of those two offenses as well and even if you want to look at you know where is Steph when all those other big stars are off the floor where's the team offensively versus what Kyrie is doing with Boston the other way you can see that and this inclu- included in this is the Boston loss how the Warriors have fared when Steph Curry's had foul trouble and had to sit I mean they've had some real bad stretches when he's been out of the game and a lot of those have had three all-stars on the floor so he he is central to their offense and he is irreplaceable in that sort of a way where Kyrie is spectacular. He's a wonderful player. We've sung his praises for years, but he isn't as essential as Curry is. And that matters. Yeah. And Kyrie has had a wonderful season. He's oh, been yeah. way better than I thought he would be. He's my, he's, he's my number uh, three guard. 
yeah, yeah, he, he is at this point a no-brainer for that. I would say. Well, I wouldn't say that because Lillard has been really good too. But he, he, uh, but yeah, and this, I mean, Curry has been still like far statistically superior in the box score stats to Kyrie this year. The and team is not, better. And it's not like Kyrie is some monster in things that aren't being quantified by the box score, especially in the right, regular yeah. season. Yeah, that was that was going to be my last point though. So Curry, uh, and then who is your first team All NBA center? I have a choice that I think people would be very surprised by, but uh, who? Who is yours? Joel Embiid. Embiid has been excellent defensively. I have a strange feeling that's going to come up in the near future. And he has been impactful offensively. You know, he still does have these turnover bugaboos, but he's gets guys in foul trouble. And he, he's just been massive in, in that sort of a way. And when you're a center to me, that's where the line goes. Because <laughs> offense is to me is more important than defense just because of how you can accomplish that with personnel for every position but center. But at center, that's where you that's where the, the it goes the other way. He has been huge defensively. And a lot of the other guys that I are on my are either in consideration or on my teams for all NBA are more offense over defense and so that it's not necessarily that that was a tiebreaker but it was an important consideration yeah and Embiid has played at 18 games 29 minutes a game but my number one center is LaMarcus Aldridge and he is someone whose performance because I'll be honest I haven't been watching as much Spurs because with Kawhi out it's kind of like all right this isn't the team that they're going to be am I really learning that much like they they aren't going to play that well against the absolute best teams and then you know they kind of just spurs to death some of the teams that aren't as good and so I really had to look into the stats I mean he I think he put up 40 points the other night too uh he's been playing 51 percent at center basically whenever he plays and he's not next to Pau Gasol he is the center on this team he's their second biggest guy uh Maybe if he's playing next to Joffrey Laverne, who's not playing much, you, you might say he's the power forward again. But uh, LaMarcus, for the first time in his career, really has been extremely efficient. He is sixth in the NBA in PER, 59% true shooting. Absolutely never, ever, ever turns it over. 6.3% turnover percentage. He's been getting into the post. Remember also, he's putting up this performance against with a very limited offensive supporting cast at this point to him. If you compare the talent around Embiid offensively versus Aldridge, you know, Aldridge has clearly been the superior offensive player. And San Antonio is 14 and 7 without Kawhi Leonard. You know, they're playing at a 55 win pace without Kawhi Leonard, and he has been by far their best player. And, and that's got to start getting so, some recognition. And he has really, really improved defensively as well within that Spurs system. He is not. Joel Embiid but he's been a very solid defensive player in their system you know if he has to go against the Warriors yeah okay maybe it's not great but he is solid protecting the rim gets on the offensive glass as well and I've just been really really impressed with this game I don't expect he's going to end up here at the end especially once Kawhi comes back but he what he's been doing has been totally lost in the narrative of you know he had this really bad playoffs last year when his knee was really bothering him but he expecting him to carry the offense against the Warriors without Kawhi is unrealistic and he's playing much better this year having gotten that extension he's making that extension actually look like a pretty decent deal so far if he can continue at anything like this level and then also the last tiebreaker over Embiid he has played three more games than Embiid who has sat out some back-to-backs and he plays 33 minutes a game to Embiid's 29 so that that's a, another little tiebreaker there not a huge one but uh enough that I, I think it matters and you know he's also been doing this for a lot longer than Embiid has to just as a clarification i'm not disagreeing with that i think of all nba as more most outstanding rather than most valuable so it of course that does i do consider the value added but it's less of an it's less important for me than with mvp so and you might see that in some of these other ones where guys who missed a little bit of time are still in it but i understand your rationale i don't i don't have too much opposition to it i also even though i i saw because we talked about this a little bit that that he has played a, a slight majority of his minutes at center i still consider aldridge a four especially considering that's the way that the Spurs see him in a lot of the in, in their lineups that, that they put out there so yeah I mean it, it's fine I would have had him if I considered him a center I would have had him second team not first team but it was a tight margin for sure okay let's get to second team Kyrie and Lillard are my guards Kevin Durant who has missed some time I think he missed four of, of five games at one stretch uh but still just a, a great great player um I mean that's a really interesting question of like whether Durant is better than Giannis I'd still say he probably would have to be considered that so 
if you're just saying who's the best player, he would be above Giannis as a forward to me. Uh, and then AD, we, we mentioned as a forward, and then Embiid is my second team center. Um, what's your roster here? So AD, Durant, and Kyrie are all on mine. I have, uh, you know, that those were those were pretty clear to me. Durant, I, I agree with you that Durant is a better player right now, but I do not think that he has been better than Giannis this year. And that's just because Durant's been a little bit below his standard. Giannis has been above. That that happens. And I went with John Wall over Damian Lillard. The big part of that is I think their primary role is offense. And the Wizards have been better. They've been better offense overall, but they've definitely been a better offense when John Wall has been on the floor. We've even seen that in his absence the last couple of games. I think that he has provided more value there. And it's not like you could say, oh, well, John Wall's not as good defensively as he's been in the past. Guess what? He's still better than Dame. And yes, the or Portland Trailblazers have a much better defense this year. They've, they've been a nice job. I don't give Lillard much credit for that. It's between those two guys. I think Lillard has a better, you know, individual statistical profile, but I value I value the impact that they have on the offense. And with John Wall, that's always been a part of it for him just because he's not as gifted a scorer as Damian Lillard is. Yeah, I think that Lillard has so little offensive talent around him. It's basically, and obviously the Wizards offense has been better than the Blazers. So, and his team has just been better. You know, the Wizards have disappointed. The, the Blazers have exceeded expectations. Uh, and he's basically, you know, a lot of times the only guy that they have offensively out on the floor when it, when he plays without CJ, whereas Wally's got Beal next to him. Otto Porter is one of the best offensive threes who's not just like a ball-in-their-hands type of player. Gortat is a great role guy. He's probably about sim- pretty similar to Nurkic. Uh, and they've also got Markeith Morris. Oubre has played well. So uh, he's got a lot more talent around him. And, and Wall's also missed a couple of games here now, too. So that was a tiebreaker for me as well. And in fact, I do not even have John Wall on my third team either. Um, in part, you know, he hasn't had the most efficient season, I think, his ability to make shots at the end of games is a little bit of a problem i expect that wall will come back to get into this you know if i had to say is wall a better player than lillard that's a very i would say probably is barely you know is very much just you know what kind of flavor do you prefer there um and, and he's a better player probably than the two guys i have as my third team guards but just due to missing time and just not being quite as efficient with his own offense so far this year uh that's why i, I didn't have him in there so since i didn't consider lamarcus aldridge a center i had real trouble this is going to be your third team guy but I had real trouble with second team because they're all guys that have really high highs and and but aren't complete players and so you know it's DeMarcus Cousins Al Horford who I think has had an underappreciated year in terms of his role in Boston's success and the guy who I ended up with second is Nikola Jokic and the reason why I have Jokic there is just that I think Denver has taken you know offensively that he still brings so much of of what makes them vibrant team they have they're dealing with a sophomore point guard who is still learning the position in Jamal Murray and he's been you know he's been all right defensively he hasn't been great Boogie I would say has been better defensively it's a close call kind of between those two guys but I went with Jokic yeah it's a Jokic did not make uh my third team I actually had Cousins as my third team and third team was really kind of janky it's not to look anything like this by the end of the year um my two guards were Kemba Walker who actually has a plus 7.8 net rating and per usual they just completely fall apart whenever he's on the bench I mean but you look at how mediocre this Hornets team is they're below 500 but you know they have a 7.8 net rating with him out there it's pretty impressive and then Clay Thompson was my other third team guard uh which interestingly enough if he somehow made their team all nba which he's not going to at the end of the year that would make him eligible for a designated player uh veteran extension which would be a very very interesting uh, set of circumstances uh but i expect him to fall out of there but this is kind of you know i think he's just been a little bit better than wall um shooting very well he's having one of the more efficient seasons of his career to date so and the best defensive player of any of these guys really that that we've been talking about for uh, the guard position so i I went with him. I don't expect him to stay there uh, again, just because of Wall having missed these five games. Uh, Russell Westbrook, a name that we have not mentioned at all, huge usage rate, but totally miserable efficiency. I expect Westbrook to get into this conversation by the end of the year, and then a few others in the guard position. Chris Paul obviously missed so much time; he's not eligible, but he'll be in this conversation. Kyle Lowry quietly, after a bad start to the year, is up to sixty-three percent true shooting now. Uh, so that's been incredible. He had a ton of threes last night, actually, and then. Brad Beal in this conversation, CJ McCollum in this conversation a little bit. Uh, but, you know, I, I thought that just Thompson is and Walker were the guys who stood out the most to me just in this first month. I don't expect that to continue necessarily. 
I want to throw one other guy in there, and he's not somebody who is considered a two guard by uh, by ESPN's rankings, but he is playing that role with the Thunder as Paul George. And George is not having his best offensive year. Really, yeah, really. I is think not. they would say that Robertson is the two there. I think I think George yeah. is a forward. Okay, I, Robertson, I, I, Robertson guards smaller players more often than George does. Okay, I'll, I I still want to talk about him anyway because Paul George has had <laughs> he's had a a very nice defensive year. I think he is an important part of what. What makes the thunder work on that end so yeah I, I ended up going with Kemba as well so mine was because I had John Wall in the second team so I'm pulling up my list so I have it as Dame Lillard you know who you had your second team and and Kemba but I yeah I, and then and the other reason why I kind of considered George for that spot was because and I did not expect this my forwards were stronger than my guards because the other two so the other two forward spots the one kind of no-brainer of these two was Kristaps Porzingis Porzingis Zingas has been fabulous this year. He's just been the fifth best forward. So he gets on the he gets on the on yeah, the third team. No arguments there. And then I have Lamarcus Aldridge here. If I considered him a center, he probably would have been second team. I considered him a forward, so he makes third team here. He gets that sixth spot. There are other contenders for it, but I thought he was better than all those guys. And then I ended up going with Boogie for similar logic that you had him second team. I just had him third. Yeah, I, I had him over Jokic though as yeah. my third team center because of the defense. Um, and the one thing that I also have different than you is there wasn't with LaMarcus out of there there weren't really great candidates at Ford who really stuck out I considered Kevin Love who's having a very most efficient season of his career so far Aaron Gordon uh Blake Griffin although he's now out and his efficiency had gone down before then the Clippers had disappointed it as well uh but I ended up going with Ben Simmons, uh, actually, as I uh, like it uh, as the guy, you know, representing what the Sixers are doing. He's been a revelation. He can certainly guard that position. He is introduced as a point guard. So I think you could totally convince me that he could be a guard as well. But with nobody really overwhelming me for that last forward spot, I decided to see if I could shoehorn him in. And again, don't expect him to be in this conversation by the end of the year. I think you know other guys are going to step up a little bit. Although, I don't know maybe not uh and maybe you know you could lamarcus has been better than him so certainly if you're not considering him a center you would throw him in as well interesting that there's so much competition at center this year but um and it's also interesting to note that really the first position where the talent talent falls off is forward and especially guys who are you know wing players at forward that is the position where you can get the most value because your replacement player is not going to be as good there yeah that's certainly true and thank you for putting Simmons as a forward because my feeling as you know is that you are the position you guard and he guards threes and fours so that's what he is offensive role is separate from that just like it is for LeBron but let's move on to defensive player of the year I uh, already... oh by the way one more thing one yeah. more thing here uh actually two more things first one Ben Falk 89% small forward he considers uh, Paul George to be playing and then fine uh and we also have to do a read before we move on oh. uh and that is uh from Quip I saw my sister over Thanksgiving I told her that I was using one of her favorite phrases which is sweater teeth in the ads and you don't want to get sweater teeth some people if you've been brushing with a manual toothbrush you might not even realize that you in fact have sweater teeth that is that feeling of plaque around your teeth when they are not really that clean you wake up in the morning you can feel it and so if you're not using an electric toothbrush yet you're just not doing it right it will revolutionize things i started using one and it's just so much better than brushing manually you don't have to move your arm as much which is nice for a lazy person like me but also the vibrations just get your teeth so much cleaner they stimulate your gums so much more there's also a timer on there so you'll actually like brush for the amount of time that you're supposed to instead of just getting bored with the manual toothbrush so that's why you should get an electric toothbrush. But the reason you should get Quip is that it's way better than all the other electric toothbrushes. No charger, no wires. It just operates off a single AAA battery for up to three months. They have a subscription model, so they will just send you refill packs, including new bristles, that new battery as well, the one AAA battery that lasts forever. You can take it on the road so much more easily without those chargers or, or wires. It's basically the size of a regular toothbrush. So I've actually got two of them. One of them just lives in my dop kit and... I take it with me whenever I travel. 
and I can even afford two of them because it's that perfect price point, $25. So if you have a secret Santa at the office or something where it's like, all right, you know, I don't want to break the bank, but I actually want to get something that's good still. It's perfect. Get them equipped. You don't have to go to the store to get it either. They can ship directly to your door or to the gift recipient's door as well. Quip starts at just $25, as I mentioned. And when you go to getquip.com, that is the URL, getquip.com slash capspace, you get your first refill pack free with your Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash capspace. Easier to remember because we talk about capspace all the time in the program. G-E-T-Q-U-I-P, getquip.com slash capspace is your URL to get started with them. Gotten a lot of tweets from people saying, hey, I bought one of these. It's been fantastic. So I recommend that you give it a try. It's going to revolutionize your brushing, which is something that you're doing for four minutes a day. So it actually having something that's better really does matter there. That, that four minutes a day adds up. All right, let's get to that defensive player of the year here. Longtime listeners will remember that a few years ago, we struggled with how to deal with Boston. Boston was an, a, a really high-level defense, but they didn't have a single player that looked like they could get defensive player of the year consideration. To me, that's the entire top five right now. Boston, Portland, OKC, Utah, San Antonio, all five of those teams are doing a wonderful job overall, but they don't really have that linchpin, that guy who's saying that's the reason. Like, I mean, with Utah, you would say, oh, it's Rudy Gobert. Gobert's missed a bunch of time, and he will continue to miss much time so that was where i started and i was kind of like oh okay well where am i gonna go with that but there's a team that's not in that top five but it's not because of joel Embiid. it is because when joel Embiid is not on the floor the sixers give up a ton of points when joel Embiid is on the floor they're allowing less than 100 points well less than one point per possession and which is basically basically best in the league level when he's out there right when he's out there and so he shouldn't be punished in terms of the team level when he's there he's been a monster at the rim he's deterring shots although although you could say that he should be punished because he hasn't and can't be on the floor as much. You could make that argument. I, again, like for all NBA, I consider this not most defensive value added, but best defensive player. That's how I personally interpret the award. So, and so, but you don't do it that way for MVP, though. That's weird that you... Because it's see, called I, most I would, valuable. If it was called most valuable defender, I would do it the other way. But that's not what the award is called. Okay, okay. That makes sense. And so, so for me, Joel Embiid is... He has been the most impactful defensive player for the time that he has been on the floor. And he has been on the floor enough to be considered. And I think, I think he's been fabulous there. And so, in... in in a situation where there are not as many clear-cut guys, I think we talked about this on the Twitter NBA show a little bit, Draymond is not having his best year, Kawhi Leonard has been out, Rudy Gobert has been out, he is the best option right now. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, you'd want to say maybe it's Horford, you'd want to say maybe it's Paul George in OKC, although if you look at some of the on-off numbers with him, they're not particularly enlightening, although, you know, that could all just be due to, as it was with Kawhi last year, some weird stuff with three-point shooting. I haven't looked at it that closely, and George has been outstanding, certainly. But yeah, I went with Embiid as well. The one stat that I will add to what you gave was uh, team shoots 17.2% worse at the rim when he is on the court. And actually, you know, another guy will I gave a little bit of consideration to was Porzingis, but overall the Knicks, even when he's been out there, haven't defended quite as well. But certainly the shooting of opponents at the rim when he is out there is uh, has been absolutely, completely ridiculous. Uh, all right, I actually had, for once, a pretty clear delineation of my top three for coach of the year brad stevens took it for me uh which was a surprise because when i first i was like oh you know what i'm gonna go with greg poffich he's the best guy but boston has just been so good in the absence of gordon hayward the, we always talk about how like young guys just aren't that good and like they don't contribute to winning basketball well brad stevens has gotten those guys to contribute to winning basketball in a way that few coaches have ever succeeded at uh who is your number one it's also brad stevens and another part that i want to mention here is the massive turnover in their roster that getting those guys to buy in defensively to yes. compete defensively Defensively into play that it was a, it was a big coaching challenge and also I feel like and it would be interesting to talk to coaches about this that losing a talented player in season is different than losing them and be granted with Kawhi it was always this question about when he was coming back but losing them in the preseason because you can kind of think about it know what you're going to do but five minutes into the season you built your you know you built your rotations you built everything around this guy and due to a factor that was beyond every single person's control he's just out and Stevens deserves a lot of credit for that they we talked coaches are the biggest impact they make is defensive if you want to talk about that individual players collectively boston has been the best defensive team in the league so yeah i would say for me it's stevens one pop two and i'm interested because you said there was a clear top three who is your who's your guy other guy in the top three uh i actually had someone else second in pop third stan van gundy stan van gundy in detroit 
They yeah. are playing. I mean, they have basically the same personnel. They're, I think, fourteen and seven. They have had some massive wins too against some really good teams. Yeah, like they're not they're and, not a soft fourteen and seven. They've they've beaten some no. legit teams. And it seemed like okay, you know, they're going to come back to earth a little bit, and then they, they've surged again recently. The bench play that he's been getting out of these guys as well has been outstanding. Um, so I, I expect that he's going to fall back, and that either Popovich or Stevens will be my guy at the end of the year. And and Popovich is so good that i always just you know my tiebreaker is just who i think the best coach is i mean i've been popovich and kerr have been my top two i think every year that we've done this um and, and golden state really not in that i think they've underperformed their talent level so far this season and kerr has even said like hey we're not playing that hard you know so when your coach is saying we're not playing that hard it's hard to be in consideration although i do still think he's an excellent coach so yeah stevens stan van gundy number two uh greg popovich number three three others who deserve mention to me terry stotts getting that portland team to defend the way they are absolutely pretty impressive uh brett brown the sixers are 12 and 8 a lot better than anyone thought they would be and well you know a lot of that's because their rookies have been able to play more you know they he's had to navigate this marco fultz thing which is weird and they've defended pretty well when mb has been out there just, you know, he's been getting he's been i think the ways that he has used simmons have been creative the fact that he's just like hey this guy's gonna be our point guard we're giving him the ball every single time get out of his way you know that somebody could have screwed it up and be like oh he'll be the three and we're gonna play another traditional point guard like no he's he's put ben simmons an excellent position to succeed he's crafted an offense in which Simmons lack of shooting they've been able to get around that so he's up there for me as well and then Nate McMillan you know I mean you got to talk about a lot of their what they've been doing is built on crazy three-point shooting but you know I didn't have the Pacers two games over 500 and a lot of these guys that they had gotten you know in the OKC trade performing as well as they did you ready to move on to best surprise team and player? Yes, our, our biggest, biggest surprise team and player, I, I think. Uh, pretty clear in terms of team, that's the Boston Celtics after Hayward went down oh, for yeah, them to I be mean, leading the East by a mile. I mean, that's obvious. We did a podcast after the first the first day of the season talking about how we thought they were maybe like a low 40s win team after that, and they've been... I don't recall saying that. <laughs> no. Well, that, that, we that excuse has been working a little better recently, but <laughs> let, let's... let's but then, okay, so uh, for, for player, there there's a, there are a lot of candidates for because surprise is different. It's not most improved. It's not anything like that. It's who's been the most surprising. And mine is Demontis Sabonis. Sabonis, it's always hard to pick this for a guy who's going from being a rookie to a sophomore because those guys are supposed to get better. But he looks to me like a completely different basketball player. I mean, one of the stats, I, I threw this out on Twitter a couple days ago. He has now attempted 15 more free throws than he attempted all of last year. And he played 1,600 minutes last year he started a lot of it at power forward for the thunder he played a lot more center he's basically switched from eight about 85 percent at power forward to 85 percent at center but he has looked like a completely different basketball player there and that's a huge surprise because i didn't see that coming mine uh was on the same team victor oladipo who we talked about his three-point shooting uh is so surprising that i believe it to be unsustainable but i mean for him to have been in this pacers offense in general to, to be a top 10 unit i thought they would be like you know brushing the bottom five and then aaron gordon is my other one that came to mind i would i would go with oladipo mildly over gordon but uh he's been out saying there as well um biggest disappointing team and player i took me approximately two seconds to think of this okc thunder and russell westbrook i had a lot more trouble with it because oklahoma city it's more about their record i mean in terms of their See, point you know i thought that too but their offense sucks yeah like, but i mean the but thing. their like, defense being has been 20th awesome. in offense i mean but if, if you're number two in defense that that's not it i mean that's exceeding expectations to me but you're, you know but the i, I big thought part they'd this, be a top five i thought they'd be a top five defense this whole time so i yeah, that's, that's not as much i mean you you, me. you hyped that up as soon as they got paul george uh, that was that there there is a record of that and i i understand it but in yeah. terms of disappointment <laughs> i mean that like but so so for me the but the reason why i ended up with okc as well is because they're really the disappointing teams this season if you're talking about it in terms of record are largely because of injury you know memphis right. the clippers before this recent surge the jazz like those teams yeah it, it's understandable it's not disappointing yeah. it's disappointing they haven't stayed healthy but that's a different type of thing the other team that i considered to a point was dallas just because i i knew they were going to miss 
Seth Curry, but I thought they would be a little bit more competitive. I thought their offense would be a whole hell of a lot better than 28th or 29th or wherever it is. But Oklahoma City's still there, even though I dis- uh, even though I think that they're not as disappointing as you do have that. And then in terms of player, Russ is is the front runner here. Two other guys that I want to mention, because for Westbrook, it is, even if you felt like we both did that last year was an aberration, that he wasn't that good, that he was awesome, but he wasn't that good, this is still way worse than that. Then like the baseline, this is way worse than the baseline, even if you were lower on the baseline than what he did last year. The other two guys I want to mention in different categories are George Hill, just because George Hill, he's been a ghost for a lot of this year. And that's, it might be the big toe. Still, to me, that's disappointing. I, I was a believer in George Hill. Happily, I turned on the Kings before the regular season started, but that's been disappointing. And then a, a part of a player is Carl Anthony Towns' defense. I mean, we both loved him going into the draft. And while the offensive ceiling was super high, we thought he had to impact there. He had a wonderful defensive year next to Kevin Garnett. And so, yeah, he struggled the last couple of years. Thought he'd figure it out. He's playing next to Todd Gibson, another strong defensive for, nope, nope, hasn't figured out at all. Yeah, by the way, Russ, I mean, the reason he's up there for me, he was the MVP last year and he wasn't really even in serious consideration for all NBA when we're talking about it. And just so we have it, I wanted to get back to this here. My picks last year were Westbrook, Harden, Kawhi, LeBron, and AD as the center. Uh, then second team was Steph, Isaiah Thomas, KD, Jimmy Butler, and Rudy Gobert. Butler, interestingly, how he has really not been in the conversation as well. He's not had the, the greatest year at forward. And then third team was Chris Paul, John Wall, Draymond Green, who again, another guy we didn't really talk about at all as a forward this year, Giannis and Marcus Gasol. So, I mean, and that was just one person's opinion. Obviously, that's not who got everything, but uh, lots of changes so far we'll see how many changes hold up by the end of the season um all right let's run through some of these here quickly six man i thought it's tyreek evans pretty clearly oh yeah at this by point. a mile um who else did you even have in consideration briefly lou williams uh sabonis who did most of his damage as a starter but damn it it still counts will barton and then eric gordon is is like sabonis in that he was better i think he's been better as a starter than a sixth man but he's still been awesome yeah andre goodall is my pick last year he has not been the same guy this year usually seems to start slow these days um and then three guys that are kind of a little less traditional cal kuzma in terms of his scoring and efficiency off the bench has been pretty impressive and then two guys who really don't fit the arch- archetype of the score off the bench kelly Oubre has been outstanding he has for been. the wizards and then pj tucker who has a 99.5 defensive rating for the season really a guy who i think has probably done more than anything to transform the rockets defensive culture i'm going to add that if you're going to include kyle kuzma john collins deserves consideration here too john collins has been an absolute monster for atlanta and he doesn't have the same yeah he's not profile. playing that kind of minutes though like he, he's I, I don't think he's in the same category i disagree plus he's I, not I, on the I lakers i also wouldn't have kuzma on it so that's yeah he, he's not on the lakers how good can he be uh dunk of the well, month let's do, spent, let's do rookie yeah, ahead, let's sorry. do rookie of the month quickly because it's ben simmons oh yeah okay sorry I, how did i skip over that i don't know um yeah so it's ben simmons yep. uh so who, who do you have uh second and third tatum second he's done a nice job this year he's executed defensively he's done what they needed offensively and i don't know i i didn't really think about third place too much so i'll let you i'll defer to you on that yeah i had kuzma in third place i mean he's averaging like 17 points a game and he's been efficient so i mean like that's for for a rookie that's completely insane like he's got to be on there like even even if you say his defense has been bad even if you want to say it's a fluke even if you want to say the lakers aren't that good like i mean that's even if you want to say he's older so he's not as good of a long-term prospect i mean the guy's been awesome like and fourth i'd probably have dennis smith i mean he's smith i like better as a long-term prospect than anyone in this class right now other than Simmons I mean if we're gonna we kind of take Fultz out of it for now just because it's he's been so weird um if he can get his jumper back then it still would be Fultz for me but um but Smith is you know he's had a huge usage and he's been really inefficient he hasn't been as good so I I would say Tatum Tatum second Kuzma third for me Smith would be on the outside looking in I am going to give the floor to you on dunk of the month because you have a you have a passion for this which I cannot even come close to rivaling (laughs) yeah I've probably both dunked more and been dunked on way more than you have um 
What took it for me still, and, and this is one that you're going to love too, uh, that Giannis Aliup on Aaron Baines on the second day of the season <laughs> was just one of the most ridiculous. I mean, you almost at this point have to like create a different division of like Giannis dunks and then like rest of the league dunks when you're talking about this category. That was actually second on my list. I love that dunk. It was one that really struck me in person, especially because Baines hits him in the air, which makes it way harder to oh, actually yeah. get in there. But my favorite, and so that might be the best dunk. My favorite dunk was James Johnson on Victor Oladipo because that was just nasty he also gets drilled on that dunk and just just yeah. the intensity the ferocity of it and another one that I think deserves some appreciation is there was a really nice one I can't remember who it was against it might have been Miami when Wiggins had a dunk to tie a game which was exceedingly rare to have a highlight dunk that ties a game in the final minute I thought that was a cool one yeah it takes you back to I remember like Vince Carter when he was at his apex I think was playing against the Rockets this is before Elijah Wan had that last cameo in Toronto and like Vince just like blew by someone on the perimeter and like dunked for like the game winning shot with like two seconds left like no one could even turn around and like get over and stop him before and it was, it was a crazy play a uh, few other mentions here my number two was John Collins on Jetty Osmond uh he he tripuked him meaning that uh, like Michael Jordan when he dunked on Charlie Kelly Tripuka it's one of his best dunks where he came down did an in and out dribble and transition and then went up Tripuka tried to get up and and jump with him and then realized what was happening and then just like cowered down like and jordan just like dunked on his back uh and the announcer was like kelly Tropuka couldn't get out of the play fast enough like so i, I always enjoy like renditions of that dunk so collins got osman with that one of the few uh minutes that osman has played th- this year um and then that donovan mitchell tip dunk was pretty nice but if you're gonna win this category for me like you got to dunk on somebody uh and then Giannis also had this lefty dunk on anthony Tolliver where he like took off with the left from the dotted line that was pretty nasty and uh, the last two just to pay homage to one of the best dunkers ever who might be wrapping it up here as a dunker pretty soon Blake Griffin had a couple of nice ones this year he got Rudy Gobert and he also had a pretty nasty one on Julius Randle on opening night but uh the winner is that Giannis Oop on Aaron Baines at the second day of the season um okay what do we got next here best win I had his Boston over Golden State and that was also a new category we're debuting this year which was best game of the month um and I just thought that Boston's off or defense looked so good in that game they really really caused problems for the Warriors made them look really uncomfortable and OKC did too but a big part of that was Golden State just kind of throwing it all over the gym and and Kevin Durant not being himself with that ankle injury so I thought Boston had one of the best games I've seen against Golden State defending it was a great comeback Uh, they out executed the Warriors late their star came through Kyrie Irving so I I thought that that was uh, really an outstanding win and that was that was the best game for me as well I thought the atmosphere in that one was great it was a close game uh the level of intensity was as high as i think it's been just about any game this season so that that game actually uh won two categories for me that was my best game but it was not my best win it was number two in that to a game that we didn't cover for dunked on but was stands out over the over time which is the toronto raptors giving the houston rockets their only loss of november we're recording this technically before the rockets last game in november i think they play on thursday night maybe they don't but it was there are a couple different things about it one they beat the Rockets in Houston and the Rockets have been a good home team and it's not like the Rockets were other than Chris Paul undermanned or that Harden had a bad game Harden scored 38 uh, I think Ariza had some Ariza had a, a decent game too but the the Raptors just outplayed him and the Raptors won and Houston has been either the best or second best team in the league so I went with that but boss the Boston game would have been second and I think the Boston one was my was the best game so far worst loss this we spoiled easy. this one. Kings franchise record loss to the Atlanta Hawks in Atlanta. They lost by like 50 points. I have um, the score. 126 yes, to 80. <sighs> Oh man, and, and you know this Atlanta had like a worse record than them at the time too, and I think it was Atlanta's biggest victory in franchise history. They had the biggest victory in franchise history with a team that was like two and eleven at the time it occurred. I mean, it just such a desultory effort for the Kings in that one. This is one that that we enjoy and sometimes forget to follow up on, but it's the player that we're going to not watch this year, not this year, and the player we're going to watch. And mine is Yusuf Nurkic because the question that I am most interested in answering in December is Portland's defense. I know you're going to talk with uh, with Mr. Murphy about it soon enough, but I want to do some of that myself too and go through it. And Nurkic is a centerpiece of that. So I want to spend some more time, quality time. And Portland has a really fun schedule in December. They play a lot of good 
teams, both at home and on the road. So gives me a reason to watch, which I would be watching anyway. Yeah, mine is Mark Gasol, coach killer or not. C- congratulations on committing to watching the Grizzlies in the next month. Yeah, I mean, we watch everybody. I watch, I watch every team, Danny. We all do. <laughs> and by we all, I mean the two of us and, and Liam. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Mark Gasol would be my choice, especially defensively. Liam had some comments on him in the last 15 and 60. Is he, are they going to start playing better with him on the floor? I think they had a negative 13 net rating with him on the floor during this recent losing streak prior to their loss last night. Um, so is he, is he still a player? Is he, does he even have any trade value if they're talking about blowing up or not? Um, all right. So the last thing that we'll do here is we look at, uh, team trends that will continue and that are an aberration on the monthly level. My trend that I believe will continue is that Golden State's defense will not be a top three unit. I might even extend that all the way to top five. I think their defense, whether it's the the lack of competitive fire that Kerr has been talking about or just individual players aren't looking as good, whatever it is, I don't think that they have, they are just not competing as hard this year. Maybe they'll get it together, uh, but I think, you know, maybe it could be top five. I don't see it being top three. Yeah, I don't have much opposition to that, especially because they're going to be resting guys. They have five guys listed as questionable for their game against the Magic on Friday. Mine that will continue is the Philadelphia 76ers fouling a ton. They are number one in in terms of most foul rate, not number one in terms of lowest foul rate. Right now, they, they, they've been bottom five in that since 20, the 2013-14 season, so I think this will be the fifth year in a row. And with Embiid and Amir Johnson as your centers, it certainly seems like it's going to be a part of it. And they can still have a very good defense with that, but it's just something I've watched. They also, their turnover rate has not really gotten that much better, even though they play have super your offensive talent now my trend that is an aberration the oklahoma city thunder losing games they Ooh, hey, will not, they, they will not be uh winning 40 percent of their games for the rest of the season that is my prediction but i mean i, I do want to talk about them a little bit though we, we got on them and some of the I, most i think it's team. one of the biggest stories of the month oh for sure and well i do think they're going to play better well i do think that their point differential is more indicative of the type of team that they are I do think, and I do think that Russell Westbrook is starting to play better and will continue to play better. The fact that they've been so bad offensively, like that's what gives me some pause here, right? I mean, if they were just playing like, you know, the ninth ranked offense and the ninth ranked defense, I'd almost feel better about that. I mean, to be this bad offensively for an entire month with basically no injuries at all either, because, uh, you know, what, what happens if one of their guys goes down? That's going to be a, another issue uh, that hasn't happened yet. So that would be, uh, that's a concern for me. I do think it's going to get better, but if you're talking about this team being you know a really big force in the playoffs you know you got it better than the 20th ranked offense that's for sure so so even i mean this idea that like oh they're just they're playing well enough already and you know it's just bad luck like no that's not true like they need to their fundamentals need to improve offensively to really get to be the type of team that they're talking about potentially being at the start of the year mine is a more it's a simpler thing in a lot of ways which is that cleveland for the year so far is shooting 71 71- 1.2% at the rim. And yes, they have LeBron James, but you cannot retain maintain that level. I think the Warriors last year were number one at like 68%. A lot of years it's been around 65. And so it's partially that. And then I want to see what happens with Cleveland's offense as that dissipates a little bit. You know, maybe they get to the foul line a little bit more, but that is a completely unsustainable level. So I want to see what happens with it. Yeah. I mean, I think I agree that that's unsustainable, but I think that being at the very top of the league is not. And because, I mean, look at... And when Tristan Thompson comes back, he's A, not the greatest shooter at the rim, and B, the spacing that he fails to provide is going to cause other people, his man, to make guys miss shots around the rim. But right now, I mean, they're playing Kevin Love and Channing Fry at center. I mean, there's just no, and now they're not playing Rose anymore either. There's just no help available against this team, you know, and that's why they're shooting such a great percentage. They have good finishers. LeBron, of course, you know, is driving even more than he ever has, it seems like. But, and even, you know, Derek Rose, when he was playing before he, went out with the injury and he was playing with Thompson some too he was shooting a great percentage at the rim after he couldn't make a shot there so a lot of it I think is just systemic to how good their offense is right now I would agree with that I just don't think they can keep up what they've done so yeah and I'm in agreement there too uh okay because we always agree with each other that's a great way to end the show (laughs) don't forget about 
following us on twitter reviewing the podcast on itunes that always helps us as well we'd like to get up to a thousand reviews that would be pretty cool and i think that'll do it for today give you a nice long one here to go into the weekend i'd like to thank stitch fix for sponsoring today's program if you're like a lot of guys you could probably think of a million things you'd rather be doing than shopping for clothes so stitch fix men has reimagined how to find and buy clothes you never even have to leave the house just go to stitchfix.com tell them your sizes your favorite type of clothes and how much you want to spend actually just if you're me saying the word stitch fix without tripping over yourself is the hardest thing about the whole process everything else is super easy shipping is free both ways anything you don't want you just send it back you just throw it in the bag you don't have to even worry about like taping it up or anything they've got it all set up exchanges are always free too if you want a different size you can get your fix monthly quarterly whenever you feel like it no subscription required and it's basically risk-free you can try it out if you don't like the stuff that they send you just send it back and it's all free Get started with them now at stitchfix.com slash capspace and you'll get 25% off when you keep all five items in your box. That's stitchfix.com slash capspace, stitchfix.com slash capspace. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 